Howdy, I'm Ash, and this is Flicks and Scoops, where I'm combining my passion for film and love of ice cream. Basically, I get my guests to choose a film, then I make an ice cream inspired by the film, and then we discuss the film and eat the ice cream for your listening displeasure. If you don't think I've said the words film and ice cream enough, then there's another couple to keep you topped up. This week, it's the turn of Alex Venman, who's the co-founder and chief film officer of Hasty AI. Film is spelt with an auxiliary PH in Swedish, in case you were wondering. We're wrapping our heads around Starship Troopers and our spoons around a load of weird ice cream that I made. Profuse apologies for this one. I foolishly left the hard drive with the recording in my hold luggage when I was flying. Long story short, the hard drive broke, so I only had the backup files of the conversation. I think we've got it to a manageable point though, so hope it's okay. Here's your customary spoiler warning. If you're yet to see Starship Troopers, then I'd advocate watching it before you listen to us. And even if you have seen it before, watch it again. Otherwise, I'm telling on you. Now here comes Flicks and Scoops, episode 7. seven, seven. Now it's time for Ice Cream. And you can get it right here. Flicks and Scoops, here today with co-founder, chief, what officer? Product. Chief product officer. Mm -hmm. Not to be confused with the suede head, but the (laughs) resident suede head, Alex Venman. Woo! (laughs) Thanks for that introduction, Ash. All good, all good. How's it going? Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's a a grey and dour Sunday here in Berlin, but I think we're doing the best. I got some great ice cream. Classic Berlin day. Yeah, yeah. Ice cream is shit weather. That's all you need. It's slightly less shit than back home. So for me, it's okay, you know. And how long have you been in Berlin already? Yeah, I've been in Berlin for, is it five years now? Yeah. The next question is not going to be about how good my German is. is (laughs) No, because I think mine's probably worse. Yeah. Um, Probably the two worst expats in Berlin. (laughs) Right. But you came from London, right? Came from London, yeah. And how was the transition between that city? Because, I mean, it's such a different pace of life. Yeah, I mean, so I lived in a couple of different places. I lived in uh, yeah, Gothenburg, of course. Did my studies up in north of Sweden, above the Polo Circle. Mm-hmm. Went to Tallinn for a while in Estonia, which is a lovely city. can recommend it for a week in a way. But, yeah, I mean, London and Berlin are very different in, in terms of tempo. So you come from London, where, you know, everyone has a really shit flat. And it's like, I don't know, 15 square meters. And because of that, you're always outside, right? You try to only be home to eat, eat and sleep, and yeah, right. barely eat most of the day. So come from that, this sort of outgoing. Everyone has to be somewhere and do something, and 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 you know, you rarely spend time in your apartment because you probably live with six weirdos. Um, and you come to Berlin, and Berlin is you know has a completely different tempo, way more laid back, way more green spaces around, uh, way more odd people doing their thing. And way less of this sort of uh, career stress. Although for me, of course, it went the opposite way. I'm doing maximum career. <laughs> Too much career now. <laughs> yeah. And did you? Did, is that why you came to Berlin to sort of get out of the whole rat race lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like I met my current wife and, and then girlfriend in in uh, London, and we were just sitting around and we we're going like, yeah, we're a bit tired of London now. You know, it's a couple of nice years, but. You grow a little bit tired of it after a while. So then we decided to just get out. She comes from Berlin originally. Uh, and her family had an apartment here. 
So <laughs> that sort of took Shocking care of looking, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That took care of the massive problem that a lot of people have. So it was an easy transition to make. And you're still living in that flat right up in Mitte, is it? Yeah, I'm nothing if not lazy. <laughs> if I have an apartment and it works, I'm just gonna stick. Oh, I feel you, man. I mean, yeah. you look at some of the flat viewings these days. Yeah, it's like 300 people turns up to them. It's it's insane. Yeah, yeah. And then I have to like to this day, I still haven't got my credit score in Germany because I never needed it. Because right. you only need right. it when you get you know your apartment. So I can have the worst credit score. Doesn't touch me because I already have my apartment. It's all good. It's fine. I'm living with my wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my wife will handle it. She's German. <laughs> and, and have you been working from home during this whole pandemic quarantine uh, situation? Yeah. Yeah. So partly, I think in the beginning more. And then the uh, last couple of months. Uh, so I have a small company and uh, we're like five employees in, in Berlin. So we made a conscious decision during summer just to see each other a bit more. So I go to the office. And, you know, if you feel a bit down, you probably don't go to the office, you probably wait and make sure it's it's not something bad. But, yeah, I don't know. It's it's good for me. I'm one of those people who have a really hard time working from home. Oh, I start okay. thinking that, you know, loading dishwasher and cleaning the floors and that kind of stuff is important all of a sudden. If I have, if I have actual work to do, so I think it's good to get out of the house a bit. Yeah, I get that. I mean... I'm kind of the opposite, and maybe it's through laziness also. Yeah. But I love working from home just because you can roll out of bed five minutes, ready to go, as opposed to having to get up, wash. Washing's a big deal, you know, these days. Uh, commuting and all that sort of shit, like, too much. So, so I've, been, I've been quite enjoying it, really. Is it friends that you run in this company with? Or did you choose people based on career abilities and stuff? <laughs> I hope a bit of both. <laughs> I hope career ability has a little input on that. Uh, no, so 18 months ago, uh, I was working in my previous company, uh, which was sort of a technological, digital, very Berlin-ish company, working with a lot of these German industrials. Um, so we had a lot of work going into AI. One of the guys I was working with had an idea of how to solve sort of a problem in AI in a new way. I thought it was really cool, so I just joined him and another guy. Now we hired some people, so we're hiring. Um, sometimes it feels like we have some sort of weird Warsaw pack going, where we try to hire one person from each old Soviet bloc country. And I guess it's working out for now. <laughs> and what is it the company does? Because, I mean, we see each other not that regularly. Yeah, which is a shame. But um, whenever we do, it's... Uh, we never seem to talk about work, which I, I like, obviously, because, yeah. I mean, it's boring shit. But yeah. I'm also <laughs> curious as to what this company is like. Uh, well, so in AI, um, how AI works, it's not especially magic today. It's basically a lot of input that you want to match an output. So if you want to do something like uh, autonomous driving, you sit around and you click on a lot of images and you say, in this image, there's a car and here's a person and, and here's a zebra crossing. And if you do that enough times, uh, you can feed that, um, that those sort of images into a, a machine, and the machine will sort of start to learn how a car or pedestrian or zebra crossing looks like. And our tool that we built just makes it a, a bit quicker to do this process. Cool. Yeah. I must admit, I'm a little bit worried about AI these days. Uh, have you seen those? Is it Boston... Uh, what are they called? Boston Electronics or something? Oh, you mean the dog robots Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Too much for me. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't be that worried. It's not that. It's not that smart yet. Like the things they do, the absolutely most cutting edge stuff, is just by taking 
too much data and spending too much compu- computational power, and then you're sort of brute forcing something. Okay. So it's not like we have something out there that um, that is already um, already thinking for you. Although having said that, of course, as soon as you're on the internet and you have like a um, recommendation engine or something like that, uh, there's probably some AI in there. Or when you like boot up Netflix, as you can see, when you boot up net- Netflix, it's not that good yet, though. At least. My recommendation list is total trash, <laughs> right? <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I watched a South Korean TV show a couple of days ago. Now everything is just like, yeah, you want to see this South Korean show, this <laughs> yeah. South Korean show? Just like, forcing yeah. it down your throat. Yeah, not that smart. Leave it alone. Just one last question then, mm. in terms of company stuff. Sure. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to someone starting up their own company? Because <laughs> I might be in this situation. Well, hopefully I'll be in this situation soon. It's not a tech company, obviously, but uh, I would like to do something with this ice cream idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, ice cream entrepreneur of some distinction, I guess. Uh, I mean, for me, it's, I think the one one good tip is just don't hire someone you don't want to work with. Like, even if you have some good people out there and they're like very skilled, if someone you don't want to work with, you probably shouldn't hire them. Because when you work with, you know, two, three, four, five people, um, it's more of a family than it is a, a office, you know. Yeah. So it's um, it's important that you can stand each other if you have to within like a six-hour day. Yeah, sure. Which well, you shouldn't, because you know you're a Berlin-based ice cream entrepreneur, so you should just be out there, you know, <laughs> chilling around. Either that, or you end up in a fight club situation where you're the only guy working there with a split personality <laughs> and shit going on. <laughs> I'm going to jump into this ice cream mm. stuff before it starts melting. Uh, but uh, flavor-wise, mm. I've gone with a grape gelato. Mm. And grape, because it, they're grown widely in Argentina. And being as some of the film is set in Buenos Aires, that's what I went for. So it's an Argentinian uh, bit of Malbec in there as well. Mm. Grape gelato, and gelato is because also in the film they serve in the cafeteria some sort of pink slop at some point. <laughs> One of the top scenes. Yeah, right. Ace. <laughs> the Oscar goes too. Have I said which movie we're watching? I will have pre-empted this in the episode before, mm-hmm. and it'll be all over the titles. So if somebody accidentally drops upon this... <laughs> Who knows? But it's Starship Troopers anyway. <laughs> yeah, with the gelato, it was to try and get the consistency of the slop. And then with the grape and the Malbec was the Argentinian link and the colour of the pink slop. And then for the bug link, I put in some roasted crickets. Which are very nice. Yeah, do you think? Yeah. I've, I've, not, I've not probably tried it yet. Um, mm, interesting. I'm not sure they add so much to the ice cream other than a bit of a weird, <laughs> crunchy texture. I don't know. It's But, you know, it's. I think it's nice having something to sort of crunch a bit. I think you might be onto something here. <laughs> well, I can see, like, the food box of Berlin lighting up if you have some, like, cricket ice cream. This could be a thing for you, Ash. I mean, insects these days, it's be- it's going to be the new big thing, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, you get... said that for 20 years, so at some point <laughs> it's bound to happen, you know? Well, it was funny because uh, I got into a really nice email thread with a Finnish guy mm. uh, because I found some, what I wanted to do originally was make the base of the ice cream mm. out of insect milk. Because That's a thing? Yeah, I, I wasn't sure either, but there's <laughs> this company in uh, South Africa, mm. they make Ento milk. 
it's called. Apparently they make it from the lava of flies. So I don't know if they smush them up and make that the milk or what. But anyway, I tried getting in touch with them to source some milk. I think they've gone out of business <laughs> because there was no response, no reply, nothing. Wait, the fly milk company was out of business? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> um, so then I was emailing around places in Europe trying to find companies that could maybe source this milk. And some Finnish company got back to me who are a cricket farm. Mm. So they farm crickets and they sell sort of personal cricket farms so then you can breed your own. He got back to me, he was like, oh, really interested in what I was doing, you know, what are you looking for, this kind of thing. Uh, so shout out to EntoCube. And th- this is not an advertisement, it's just a very nice man. Yeah. <laughs> and but, if you're in Finland and, and you're looking for it, that would probably be EntoCube. The Finnish accent. Cool. Thanks for that. <laughs> is it? Is this the first time that you've eaten any insect products? I think I've tried before, but unlike many of the people I grew up with, I never went really to Southeast Asia. And I think that's where most people on some sort of, I don't know, a drunk bender go for the insect snacks. So I think most of my encounters have just been in like weird food markets around Berlin. Because mm. I just eat whatever. If I see something weird, I go like, yeah, that's... As long as it's not cucumber, I can probably eat it. I'm also not a fan of cucumber. Really? But that's very rare to find somebody yeah. else who doesn't like cucumber. <laughs> so you're actually bonding. Yeah. <laughs> so you're quite adventurous with food. Yeah, food sure. Mm. I mean, I tried some um, insect chocolate not too long ago. Mm. Also at one of these food events. Mm. It was foul. <laughs> really? What's yeah, wrong with it? It didn't really taste like chocolate. It was... Um, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's really crumbling. Yeah, a bit weird. Powdery? Yeah. A bit like Cadbury? You're not a fan of Cadbury chocolate? Cadbury, no. We can have this discussion at some other point, but Cadbury is just the worst. Why? It's, I don't know. As I said, I lived in a lot of European countries. Far worse chocolate is like the UK. Mm. It's like a weird powdery thing going on, which I'm not really a fan of. Yeah. You're probably quite right, actually, because here you do get quite a lot of good uh, Swiss chocolate and... But, but I say that, but you probably complain about you know not being able to get Cadbury eggs or whatever over here. <laughs> I do love a cream egg at Easter. I got cream egg. That's what they call them. Yeah. The the biggest thing that I miss about being here mm. is a lack of gravy. Lack of gravy. <laughs> yeah, there's gravy is easy to make, no? Uh, not without uh, Bisto granules. <laughs> I'm super lazy, as I've said numerous times. So I never make it from the juice of meat or whatever yeah. super lazy is just the guy that's been emailing around Europe to find insect milk <laughs> well, this is selective laziness this is, a, this is the problem with working from home it's like oh yeah I could do that or I could just you know put all my efforts into, into sourcing <laughs> some bug milk fuck knows yeah but I went with crickets uh, just as another point because they've got a nutty taste mm. so I thought it might complement the, the fruit of it yeah I like it it's nice yeah it's okay I think it's sort of not too sweet has a bit of crunch to it. Yeah, I think it's good. I'm a bit upset with the consistency of it. It's quite icy. Mm. I didn't get the, the measures right of the uh, the wine and the grapes and stuff. I think, obviously, because the alcohol's got a different mm. freezing temperature. I mean, it's a tricky thing to do because you have grapes, which obviously has a lot of water in them. Mm. You add wine to that. Uh, it might be a bit frosty, but I think it's actually holding up. The, yeah, yeah, they taste okay, actually. Yeah. You much of a cook. Of course. Of course I am. What's your specialty? <sighs> oh, that's a hard question. I'm really good at fish. Right. Like growing up at the coast, um, I can actually cook fish. So mm-hmm. 
my take is there's not a strong take that nobody in Germany can cook fish. You shouldn't order fish in Germany because it's always going to be overcooked tomorrow. Especially here. I don't really know any fish restaurants. No, I mean, there's probably one or two around, but Germany in total don't really eat that much fish, you know. Yeah. It's very much a pork and beef country. Yeah, right. Um, so sometimes they have fish, especially if you go down south, because, you know, Catholics on Fridays have to have fish. But they always manage to overcook it. Um, so I think I can at least cook fish, which is good. Yeah. And then if my wife was here, she would probably say they also oversalt everything, but, you know. <laughs> That's just how we roll. Who doesn't, baby? <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, raise that cost <laughs> yeah. Young people from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part, too. <laughs> They're doing their part. Are you? Join the mobile infantry and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Okay, I'm going to uh, switch over to these questions then. Oh, now that now the good the good times start. Are you going to ask me this question that nobody gets? Am I a flicker or a scooper? Yeah. Did Did you get that? Did you understand the question? Or? First time I read it, I was like, "What is this?" Mm. We have to give you like I don't know C minus for the word. I mean, scooper I get, but flicker. <laughs> what is flicker? How the, can you come up with flicker? <laughs> the, the etymology of flicker is that. Flicks is a slang term mm. for films. Yeah, sure, I'm with you so far. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, flicks and scoops is ice cream films. So, are you a flicker or a scooper? And I guess the actual question is do you prefer films or ice cream? Yeah, but flicker is just, I don't know. I'm, I'm aware of the horrible sexual connotations of it. So, maybe I'll reword <laughs> There's something, it. I'm not going to know. I, I, of course, know nothing about that as a married man, but. <laughs> Do you do you prefer? Would you rather watch a film or eat some ice cream? Oi, uh, yeah, I mean that's a good question. So I think I used to be more of a film or cinema guy before, and obviously now I'm older and I work too much and now I stress eat, uh, which you know ice cream lends itself beautifully for. So I would like to say I'm, I'm more of a flicker, if you will, but I'm probably more of a scooper at this point. <laughs> Let's say I'm an aspirational flicker. <laughs> cool. And when you do eat ice cream, do you prefer it in a cup or a cone? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, is that even a question? So, to me, the the cup is like the craning wheels of ice cream, right? Okay. You have the cup because you can't eat it fast enough. You're like six years old. You're going to spill it all over the place. You get the cup. Okay. A cone is for an adult. Is there any reason to have a cup when you're over, let's say, 14? <laughs> For me, yeah. Because so why? Because I think you get more in a cup. You get more in a cup? I think so. Aren't the scoops the same? Uh, I, I don't think they are. I mean, I'm probably going to be proven wrong by... Do you think it, they switch it out under the desk? They I don't like think a... they necessarily switch it out, but I think just intrinsically, if somebody's filling up a cup, they're more likely to pad the scoop a bit more with a bit more ice cream maybe mm-hmm. because in a cone if you put too much on the scoop it's going to go all over the place mm-hmm. so i think and as i said i'm 99 percent certain that i'm wrong but i've got a feeling that you get more in a cup i don't know i think cups it's just like people that have given up you know there's a sport <laughs> there's a sporty thing in ice cream you have to eat it before it melts you have to get it in a good shape 
ideally you would like to have it in, in sort of you know the Italian gelato way when it's just way too much on a way too small waffle. Yeah. And then you have to sort of hurry up, find some shade because you can't be in the sun. People that eat ice cream in the sun are just crazy maniacs. <laughs> um, and just eat as quickly as possible. You know, I yeah. like the sport of it. I think yeah, this cup thing is. It's not do you try and catch all the ice cream before it uh, pools at the bottom of the cone? Or do you like to let a bit run down so you've got a mouthful of melted ice cream cone at the end? I think I'm quite quick with the ice cream. Mm. So I generally don't really get there, but if it starts dripping, it's just it's just added bonus, you know? Then you have your milkshake in, in the bottom. Yeah. And so when you do go to an ice cream shop, you've got one flavour to pick. Mm. What's your go-to flavour? So... Sorry, I've been listening to a couple of these podcasts beforehand. Oh, yeah, I'm doing some nice. research. <laughs> As an entrepreneur, I am. I'm always well researched. Um, I'm um, guessing you did that to avoid doing actual work. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> actual work sucks. Um, yeah, and uh, I heard everyone say pistachio. Mm. So I think pistachio is like the new vanilla, right? Pistachio is sort of the vanilla for millennials. Okay. So I'm not going to say pistachio, because I'm trying to be different. <laughs> so I'm going to go with, I think recently I've had some sort of nice bitter ice creams, like a, a blood orange. Mm. And also, I'm, I'm partial to a licorice ice cream, of course. Licorice ice cream. cream. Yeah, licorice ice cream, that's the best. Interesting. Yeah. Did you get that here? Or? Oh, we can get it uh, in some places. I think the people having the ice cream place either have to be a bit nutty and do like these nutty ice cream things, or they have to be Italian because Italians and licorice is also a thing. Mm. Yeah. But you can find it sometimes, and then they always have it. Yeah. Cool. And then when you go to the cinema, mm. are you much of a snacker? This is a, another thing where I'm going to come out with a strong opinion. So, yes, I am a snacker, but I'm sort of a pre-snacker. So I mostly eat up all the snacks before the film starts, right? Yeah. So I'm just very bad at pacing myself. Um, and, of course, the, the only thing you can have in a cinema, the only acceptable snack is salty popcorn. I would strongly disagree, <laughs> obviously. Is England a sweet popcorn country? I don't remember now. Uh, probably more so. Yeah, so I would disgusting. I, Why would you do this to yourself? Why would you do any popcorn to yourself? Aha, uh -huh, I see. I don't, I don't dislike popcorn, yeah. but what I do dislike is sound. noisy snacks, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is why ice cream lends itself perfectly. I've never seen ice cream in a cinema until I moved to London, I think. Yeah. I think that was the first time. Is this a big thing in the UK when you're a kid? In Well, for me it was, and I think probably because... A lot of the cinemas over there, especially where I grew up mm. in Sheffield, uh, there's not so many independent cinemas. It's not like London mm. or even here where there's more independent cinemas. Mm. Yeah, it's like, like the two big chains. Yeah, it's like Cineworld, uh, Odeon, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So they always have partnerships with big ice cream companies mm. like Baskin Robbins or Ben & Jerry's or whatever. So mo I'd say 99% of the time there's an ice cream area in a cinema I think for the price as well it was always probably more that that drove me to eat ice cream to start with than popcorn um, just because you probably you get more for your money like for a bag of popcorn it's whatever six quid and it's daft because it's not even proper food it's like eating salty air yeah which is nice <laughs> <laughs> okay we're done but 
So if you have ice cream in the cinema, then you actually have to go with the cup, right? You can't go with the waffle. Or do you have to eat it before the film starts? Like, you that's, have some questions here that need to be answered. That's a good question, actually, yeah. because, yeah, you always get it in a cup, but I don't know if that's through choice or circumstance. I mean, if it's dark and you hold, like, a waffle, it's going to go all over the place. I think you're right. I, I don't think they serve cones in cinemas. See? Thinking we're, about it. We're breaking some, some science here. I'm going to break through. Well, it's funny because, honestly, I never thought about it before. And especially with, like, Ben and Jerry's, they do all these crazy core Sundays and all that shit where you get, like, yeah. 50 different toppings and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's always in a big cup. That's one way I know I'm getting older. I don't like Ben and Jerry's. They're too sweet. What? Too sweet. Wow. Yeah. That's Strong a big news. claim. That's a big claim. <laughs> yeah. But what ice cream do you eat if not Ben and Jerry's now? Uh, what ice cream do I eat? I don't know. I guess just... Not Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Like I'm trying things, but they're not that good either. Like the what's the Berlin-based ice creamery? Uh, Florida ice. Florida ice. Is it? Florida ice has some really nice sorbets, mm. which I buy sometimes. Okay. They have like a um, Santon one. Is it? It's really good. Right. Um, I always buy Ben and Jerry's, so I can't comment. <laughs> but you're still young. You come around to my point of view at some time. And uh, did you go to the cinema often? Uh, I used to go a lot. So, um, I mean, first off, I was from, if you're from Sweden and, and you're from my generation, um, let's just say without causing any legal issues for myself that there's a reason the Pirate Bay is from Sweden. And uh, so there was a lot of torrenting going around and we saw a lot of movies, mm. a lot of movies, a lot of weird stuff that... Uh, maybe we wouldn't have seen otherwise. Yeah, I think some UK films, French stuff. It was just um, a lot of stuff that we probably wouldn't have come across the cinema screen closest. What's the cinema scene like in Sweden? So, I mean, Sweden is one of those early adopter countries, which means uh, we have a, a lot of American stuff coming in. Um, beyond that, so in my hometown, Gothenburg, we have a film festival. Uh, once a year I think it's relatively prestigious it's not like the one here in Berlin but I think it's sort of a second tier film yeah no it's, it's up there it's up there yeah, yeah so then of course if you want to you can go around and see a lot of different types of cinema so it's a bit of an artsy scene too you can get some of that stuff um, maybe not as much now as then because I guess independent cinemas are dying out everywhere except Berlin London and, and the big cities but yeah sure so uh, I think maybe my most movie or my highest frequency of movie going was probably in um, in London though when I got a movie card or a cinema card for what's one of these like independent chains? Uh, is it Curzon? Maybe might be or something like that. So they have like these chains of uh, independent cinemas in London and they have a like, really good selection of films and they switch films a lot. So they have a lot of things going on. So I would just get like a cinema card and go on like Tuesdays and Thursdays and just catch whatever was playing at the time. Yeah. Which, which was sort of fun. I like doing it here because I'm quite lucky. I'm equidistant between three of the York kinos. Mm -hmm. So I've got one of the York kino cards. You can't always get quite as lucky with just going on a random cinema trip. But there's usually something on. So like once or twice a week, you've made your money back after two films or whatever yeah. so yeah it's fine And do you, but do you watch a lot of films at home now still yeah some I mean um, 
I have uh, I had this weird thing recently or the last couple of years when I don't really watch that many American movies anymore. So I I sort of really like that mid-tier segment of films. You know, it's sort of B-action movie or like some hardball detective thing or like some, I don't know, slacker comedy and something like that. And I, I don't really think the Americans make too many of these movies. They're busy making horrible superhero movies where the end battle takes like 40 minutes. It's like playing the world's most boring video game. Um, yeah, so I started watching like just a lot of European, a lot of South Korean movies. Mm-hmm. South Koreans make a lot of good movies. Yeah. Like a lot of sort of 80s style um, movies, but obviously modern, but you know, that kind of 80s, yeah, that's that's like a good movie. I'll watch it. Will I think that much about it afterwards? Nah. But, you know, why it's good entertainment. Yeah. And there's such a hype around South Korean films now because of the whole Parasite. Yeah, which is great. Which is great. (laughs) But do you, you, when you watch a film, do you sit and watch a film? Or are you one of these people that has to be doing something else at the same time? Um, No, I think I sit and watch a film. I mean, I think it's a very bad sign for the film if I'm not watching the film, if I'm also (laughs) doing something else. Maybe I just don't have that much brain capacity anymore. I actually have to focus on one thing. Yeah. I don't mind doing that with films I've seen before. Maybe just having it on as a bit of wallpaper watching. Mm. But yeah, if it's a new film, then you've got to give it your full attention, really. Yeah. But do you do that? Do you do like film as sort of uh, open fireplace thing where you just like to have something on in the background? Sometimes, yeah. And it depends what I'm doing because for if I'm working, for example, mm-hmm. if I've got a, a shoot coming up, mm-hmm then sometimes I do do that with films that has particularly good cinematography, for example. Okay. Just to, not to recreate it, but just to maybe try and find a bit of inspiration. Okay. So I can be, whatever, sending emails, maybe I've just got something on in the background with some music on or something like that. I'll do that. Um, so you're sending emails and you're watching Atomic Blonde. <laughs> you know, like, how do I get this light Watching Austin work? Powers or something. <laughs> something like this. Yeah. So as we mentioned before, the film that you chose was Starship Troopers. Great. Uh why did you why did you choose this film? Oh so Starship Troopers were one of the first two movies I bought. Let's say one of the first two kids' movies that, that I bought with my own money. Uh, so I remember I was going to this sort of sort of like a mall, but it's also not the mall. A bit like uh, John Lewis. Mm. You know, we have a bit of everything yeah. under one roof. And they had like this video section. And I, for some reason, had some extra money and I was just going there. And I was going to buy Saving Private Ryan, which I did, which is also, you know, a good movie. Yeah. But I thought Social Troopers will bring out a bit more interesting on ice cream. Um, yeah, anyways, I got Saving Private Ryan and then for some reason I just picked up Starship Troopers too. I came home and then, you know, before, slightly before the Pirate Bay came and download services were still a bit mm, less optimal <laughs> and download speeds too. You had to watch movies over and over and over again if you had nothing better on. Yeah. So then, of course, I watched Starship Troopers probably, you know, 40, 50 times. And yeah, I don't know. For some reason, it's, I think it's a very competently made movie. There's some interesting themes. Mm-hmm. And also, it's uh, I think it 
it raises some interesting questions that we'll probably touch on later. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> did you know anything about it though before you bought it or did you just no, like the look man. at the cover? I just looked at the cover and I was like, okay, right, yeah, right. like people in cool outfits and there's like a bug there and I like bugs. So let's do this. Yeah, yeah. What was the certification of it? Do you remember? <laughs> it was probably like 15. Yeah. I was not 15. But I was always like a, a bit too tall on my own goods. And... For me, like many of the films that I've seen, I saw it too young yeah uh, sure <laughs> because my grandparents had a particularly cavalier attitude towards film <laughs> certification like they, they just they stopped giving a shit when i got to like 12 years old mm-hmm. and they used to have sky movies so i just used to sit and record whatever was on at the time mm-hmm. and i used to really be into aliens mm-hmm. and then i saw this starship troopers advertised I thought, oh that looks you know bang up my street so then i re- yeah recorded. when you saw so, so it's advertised. Was there a local barn? Because you're from a relatively small village, right? Uh, yeah, it, well, it was on Sky Movies. Ah, so okay. after, after a film had finished, they'd maybe have like five different trailers on for upcoming films. Mm. I saw Starship Troopers and then, yeah, I thought I'd be into it. Because it looks, it, on surface level, it looks pretty much exactly like Aliens, where mm-hmm. it's just people shooting the shit out of anamorphic uh, alien creature things. I think there's some inspiration there. So, Ash, was this before or after the watershed? Hmm. They, they probably were only allowed to show it after the watershed. I would Should have we thought. explain this for for listeners that have not lived in the very weird colloquial world of? of is watershed not UK? a not a thing anywhere? Watershed else? is not a thing. Really? Else. No, it's a very UK thing. Wow, never knew that. No, no. Okay. So, all right. Well, good point. Watershed is 9 p.m. So anything before 9pm, you can maybe have a little bit of language, like bitch or shit, maybe, but nothing... <laughs> Once an hour. Yeah, yeah, nothing more profane. There's no nudity, nothing like that. After 9pm, anything goes. Anything goes. <laughs> okay, that's interesting, though. But how do they show things in Sweden, then? Do they, like, put a warning up before they show the film, or yeah. how does it work? Yeah, yeah, so it used to be, like, okay. a TV presented on, like this is the thing and then you have some age thing that you disregard and then you watch it anyway. Yeah. And then, so you liked it the first time you watched it? Yeah. Or did you only get into it? Like, obviously you like different things then than you did now. Mm. I mean, I think I've probably spent too much of my life just talking about the nude scenes. Like being a 12-year-old or 13-year-old boy and just going like, you know, with your friends, going like, yeah, I'm going to watch Starship Troopers. There's some nudity in it. Pause, pause in the VHS. Pause, pause. Yeah, always goes a bit too long. Rewind, <laughs> goes too far back. Yeah, hopeless. That was one of the good things about DVD, is that it was it was pretty like ra- rapid fire pause, wasn't it? Like VHS, VHS is always a couple of seconds too late. Like, oh yeah. God, rewind. Yeah, maybe it was for the best, but it was... Um, you know, that pre-pubertal sort of period when you're like, yeah, this nudity thing might be something in there for me. Yeah. And then, of course, it turned out not to be. But it took some time. I wasn't that big a fan of it when I first saw it. I no? think, yeah, I think because I expected it to be like Aliens, which it is. Um, that sort I, of suspense aspect was not really there? Yeah, it's not. I, I thought it was too stupid. And obviously, <laughs> I, I was totally unaware of the, of the satire and the underlying meaning of it. Mm. So it just totally went over my head. Yeah. So I didn't actually watch it 
for a good while afterwards. I mean, if you just take out all of Denise Richards' dialogue, you would get the impression it's a very stupid movie. Yeah. So maybe just focus too much on that. Yeah, right. I think it's still quite misunderstood today, actually. I think people either take it at face value and think it's championing, you know, militarism and mm. or fascism or whatever. Mm. Or again, take it at face value and think it's just a stupid, shitty B movie, which is a shame. Yeah. I would say, I mean, people give Robocop a lot of props and I think they do it with some amount of, of fairness. I think Robocop is a really good movie, but I think Starship Troopers is similarly good movie. Yeah. Of course, we can touch upon it a bit later. The action is maybe a bit worse for a lot of people just standing like flat-footed and shooting at bugs, running at them. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, except for that, I think it's, uh, I think it's like a relatively high quality. I think like a lot of Paul Verhoeven stuff is people just don't really look into it too deeply, but he made some good movies except for Robocop. You don't like Robocop? No, I said except for Robocop. Oh, right. So okay. I think people like Robocop. But yeah, then yeah. They go like, yeah, what else did he do? You're some weird Dutch person or the, what was the one that he did with Isabel Huppert? Uh, L. That was well received recently. Um, ah, a new movie. It must be old now, though. Yeah, super old. Hmm. Late 70s, I'd say. Was this the female assassin? No, it was... Uh, what was it now? It's like a sexual drama, I guess you would say, about somebody who gets their house broken into and then has all these fantasies about the intruder coming back and sleeping with him and all this sort of stuff. God, that sounds too rapey for me. <laughs> it is very rapey. Um, but that was well received. But I'll think, like you said, some of his other films, maybe not so much. So. Yeah. Um, has Starship Troopers had a, an influence on your life at all? I know it's <laughs> maybe too big of a question, <laughs> but I'm always curious. Except for the partial nudity. <laughs> uh, I think uh, probably not that much. Uh, there's some interesting questions in there, but I think I never thought about them too much when I was young. Seeing the film now, maybe... It's more interesting in that way, but yeah, no, I think it's it's quite quite not that influential. Yeah, same for me. I think by the time I'd realised it was allegorical, I already was aware that films could have you know subplot and hidden meaning and all this sort of thing. So it was hardly an awakening to realise that Starship Troopers had <laughs> had something else to say. You know, uh, so what's your favourite scene? favourite scene there's I mean there's so many good scenes in this movie and so many bad scenes too like fun bad scenes yeah um, I mean uh, I think I think just to start with all these sort of infomercials like this um, internet uh, 1997 I think those are great I think they're really a smart sort of narrative device to get you going for those of you that haven't watched the movie, which you know you should do before listening to this podcast, so bad on you. Uh, they have like these sort of infomercials where they click around a bit on some sort of internet portal, and you can see things like uh, murderers getting death sentence, which of course Ash will be shown in all channels, all net. Very, impo very important <laughs> to note. Uh, you get uh, uh, soldiers handing ammunition to kids, uh, fighting for the weapon. You have. Um, what else do you have? Yeah, you have uh, Barney talking about games theory. Um, there's a lot of sort of interesting world building that goes on there. Um, and then, of course, you have like the Rico 
and uh, Ibanez sort of uh, romantic subplot. And that's just like fun bad. Yeah, it's like two actors that shouldn't be doing the emotional stuff. It's not really their thing, you know. Um, but I think the best scenes in this movie, I think there's sort of two parts of the movie that are I think, a bit better than the rest. You have like the whole boot camp thing, uh-huh. which I think does a really good job of. You have a, like a real youthful energy. It feels like, you know, feels very close to real things somehow. I think it sort of has a, a good mix of virtuous violence and, I don't know, some friendship, blah, 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 going on. And it feels quite authentic. And then I think you have like the, um, when the bugs attack the fort, when the rain bug uh, sort of arranges this um, this attack and sort of draws them in to, to sort of attack them. I think that's quite a strong scene too. Of course, you have the crazy general that, that goes around and says you should all be heroes, but we need to get out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think those are two of the high points for me. Yeah, you like know. the standout ones. Yeah. What about you, Ash? Yeah, not necessarily one that stands out as like the best scene, mm-hmm. but there's a couple of bits that I really quite like. Mm-hmm. Firstly, like you touched upon, the gratuitous violence. Uh, I, I find I get the humour of it where it just lingers on it for too long or like when the, when the guy in the boot camp gets his head blown off just like <laughs> too, way too much way too much um, but also what used to make me laugh is another part of the boot camp mm. actually when the soldier gets the knife thrown into his yeah. hand and the ha- it gets stuck in his hand, but then it's stuck on the other side to a metal wall, mm-hmm. which I never understood. I was like, <laughs> the hell is this knife? But there always used to be an advert on TV when I was growing up for yeah. this thing called the, the TV knife. I don't know if you're aware of it. It's supposed to be like this knife that cuts through anything. Uh, was it one of those like, TV shop things? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Buy it now and get our cookbook and exactly. our kitchen <laughs> and-, and it's one of these things where... Because it's supposed to cut through anything, the advert was just this knife cutting through various shit that you would never use a knife to cut through, like cutting up, I don't know, Coca-Cola cans or rocks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, some shit like this. So it always used to make me laugh that it was maybe some futuristic version of this uh, TV knife. Yeah, but I think Ace, played by, I think it's Jake Busey, can that be right? Yeah. Ace Levy, the fast-talking, big-mouth contrast to our main guy, Rico. Yeah. Uh, I think the scene starts with him asking the instructor something along the lines of, Sir, I don't understand why I have to throw a knife when I can push a button and nuke things. Yeah, and then you get the knife in, in your hand for your efforts. Boom. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then which character do you relate to, if any? And funnily enough, you're the first person that I'm going to go a bit further with this question on because for me I don't relate to any of the characters so there's a follow up bit to the question Uh, is there anything in the film that particularly resonates with you or that reminds you of something in your own life uh, I don't know I always thought like uh, this was the most sort of personable of characters because you have like uh, Ibanez played by the immortal Dennis Richards um, and she's, I'm not sure, I think she's in some other movie. I'm not sure she knows she's in Starship Troopers. Uh, she's just going around being like cheery and flirty and then she dumps people and then she's back to being flirty and laughing. Uh, you have Rico and he's, you know, he's going to Harvard. We learn in the start that his dad wants him to go to Harvard and yet he's dumb. That's basically sawdust. 
he has 35% rate on his math degree, which is, you know, had to be quite bad for that to happen. Yeah. So not really Rico. We have um, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, Carl. I think that's his character's name, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Carl, I think, is... They just don't use him enough in the movie. He's, like, in there at the start, doing experiments with pets, sending them at, at his mother. And then he just turns up somewhere in the end and, and is sort of this big brain boy that is... Um, I don't know, responsible, personally responsible for all of the war all of a sudden, I guess. Um, so I think uh, this is the only one that still is, you know, somewhat personable. And I don't know, I can sort of relate with this thing of, you know, um, just doing weird shit because you're young and you're sort of hopelessly in love with someone who doesn't love you, so you're just going to hang around yeah. and see what happens. It seems almost like Neil Patrick Harris is the only guy aware of the film that he's in there's like a <laughs> there's like a, a running gag that uh Verhoeven never told any of the actors that it was supposed to be somewhat comical yeah. so he had them all play it totally deadpan yeah. and everyone's totally buying into it like yeah yeah let's kill some bugs all this sort of shit and um, that's sort of what they're supposed to do right they're supposed to sort of exactly have that wipe but yeah i guess and, maybe he figured it out well i think he did it to to get um, a genuine performance mm. out of people so that people weren't trying to ham it up too much um, and then you've, yeah I mean Michael Ironside mm. uh, what's his name Lieutenant, Lieutenant Razcheck is it yeah it's something Eastern European-ish something along yeah. those lines uh, his his line delivery is perfection it's totally deadpan totally buying into the character amazing you know it's cool <laughs> go on uh, what is it it's um Something along the lines of you fight or you die, no? Everyone fights, no one quits. You don't do your job, I'll shoot you myself. Yeah, I think you'll put that at the wall of the office. You I, think a, I think that's a good rule to live by. <laughs> Come on in for the interviews. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's just a motivational quote you have on wall. It's one of those companies. This is for you new people. I only have one rule. Everyone fights, no one quits. If you don't do your job, I'll shoot you. Get me. We get you, sir! Welcome to the Roughnecks. Ratcats, Roughnecks! Do, do you think the film still holds up today? I mean, I think there's a couple of digital effects that you might look back on and go like, eh. but I think generally it still looks quite good. I'm not sure what would happen if you played it in like a cinema, but I think like the just old school... Uh, effects like non-digital effects those are great in this movie like in a lot of Verhoeven movies yeah um, I mean I think maybe especially about the scene at start where they're, where they're dissecting a bug and Rico um, our resident airhead is picking out all these organs and handing them over to um, to Denise Richards mm -hmm. and I mean it looks like really buggy you know what I mean? It has like this sort of slimy feel to it. Yeah. That kind of stuff. That's what I prefer about older films yeah. is that they were forced to use prosthetics yeah. as opposed to CGI. I mean, if that was today, it'd yeah. just be CGI. Yeah, it must be so much harder to act with CGI, you know? Okay, you stand there. Okay, now you're groping out the heart. Okay, you're <laughs> groping out the heart. Now you're handing it to her. Okay, I'm holding something. Yeah. Uh, must, must have been just much easier doing, doing this stuff. Yeah, and I think the thing is as well, no matter how good the CGI is, yeah. you can always tell that it's CGI. Yeah. We're not at that level yet where it's, you know, you can't tell the difference. No, and I think acting suffers for it too. 
Yeah. Unless you're uh, like the golem guy. What's his name? Andy Serkis. Yeah, who only can act if he's wearing some sort of <laughs> ping pong suit. He did one where he was Ian Drury and the Blockheads. But he always seems to be these characters that are just totally um, like cartoonish. Yeah. So like you said, either he's wearing these ping pong suits or he's playing someone with accents or something like this. It'd be nice to see him in like a, I don't know, King Lear role or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, your Englishness showing through. Yeah, but I mean, he just has this energy, you know, like, uh, it seems like he has like seven kids or something, and then he goes to work just to get all all his like maniac energy out. <laughs> so he can go home and just be like a normal button-up dad. Yeah. You go to a barbecue party and he's probably like, yeah, did you see the football yesterday? Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. Never, never going to happen, yeah. yeah. One thing that I was thinking about, mm. uh, there's... There seems to be a lot of similarities, or I thought there were a lot of similarities to the war in Afghanistan. So I wanted to ask if you thought it was almost serving as a warning for that, because it came out in 98, I think, Starship Troopers. Yeah. Do you think it was a warning for that emerging issue, or do you think the settings of like the, the desert and that kind of thing were more based on the Gulf War, which you know had already happened before? Yeah, I don't, I don't know really. I don't think it was. I don't think anyone is clairvoyant enough to sort of see the, you know, rise of uh, Muslim extremism. That I mean, it was happening in the nineties, but nobody really thought about it or cared about it that much because it was happening in places like you know Kenya, uh, Middle East, uh, Southwest Asia. So I think it was just not really a thing people were aware of before 9-11. I don't think it was that Gulf War, maybe, but I guess this is based on a book, which I've read a book, it was a long time ago, but I read a book. Oh, you read the Starship Troopers novel it was based on? Yeah, Ah, yeah, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the book is also partly set in a desert. There's also green men in it, if I remember correctly. Okay. Okay. Thing. Uh, so I think it might just be like the original material, yeah. which then might be based on people's experience in fighting in World War Two and around deserts in yeah, Africa. Right. Who knows? Did you read the book before you'd seen the film? No, oh, right. this was just something I found <laughs> in the say. library. You know? Oh wow, this is a Starship Troopers book. Uh, but it's quite different to the book, so I understand uh, because the book's actually pro-militarism, right? E- I'm not sure if it's pro-militarism or if it's like for pro-militarism like the movie yeah um but it's very militaristic and people have big power armors and stuff which i think they got rid of for this movie uh, which I, which is good because uh, i read that a lot of people that worked on movie got heat strokes so just imagine if you also put them in some like weird metal power armor for <laughs> for two days in the desert somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. probably not work out do you think the film is as anti-left as it is anti-right. Interesting question. You mean totalitarianism doesn't really have a direction? I suppose what what spurred it was that it seems that it goes to great lengths to show racial equality, mm-hmm. gender equality, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, which I didn't know was either Verhoeven wanted that specifically just to be all-inclusive, mm-hmm. or if it was supposed to be a commentary on the left, like, society can be so inclusive that it then sort of becomes its own sort of, 
cultural fascism, if you know what I mean. Like the PC police, but right. actually, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess there's some parts of early Soviet in there when you have um, women fighting and, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so maybe. Maybe it's just like a mix because totalitarianism is it left, is it right? Just different flavors of the same same shit at the end of the day. Yeah, it may also have just been his prediction for the future because it's set in what twenty fifty is it or something, something like, like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely. I mean, there's some interesting world building going on that you sort of can gather. So uh, there's a, a leader as. Maybe one of the most unfortunate roles, uh, red-haired, and and she wants to have babies. That's why she's in the movie. And then I think she dies quite gruesomely at the end. So yeah, didn't really work out with the babies. Um, yeah, but I think it sort of touches on this sort of overpopulation thing. You have to serve to get babies. You have um, some other people that I guess wanna yeah. Just, uh, it's it's a weird mix of sort of. The free society as we know it today in this fake Buenos Aires that's really California. Uh, Buenos Aires where everyone's going to Harvard. That's strange. But still. Um, and uh, basically with a total, totalitarian aspect on top of it. Although you can still vote, which is a thing. Yeah, right. I w- wonder what your selection is. Do you think you have like a ballot box with like one choice? <laughs> uh, Sky Marshall, it's, probably, it's probably all automated, yeah. right? Like... Um, yeah, it's such an issue that actually in the states the whole voting system. Probably the films maybe even more relevant today, but the the whole thing with Trump and voter suppression and stuff like that is scary. The next question, which mm. I've devised, is also you're also the first uh, to to be asked it. So, what is your favorite fact or piece of trivia about the film? I have a thing. It's not really about the film per se. But I was browsing, and I found Jake, Jake uh, Busey, and I found his IMDb. Mm-hmm. And his biography is very interesting. Okay. So just to read a couple of things from here, we have, <laughs> he talks a lot about um, how, how good he was doing in the 90s, because obviously he wrote this himself. And then he, go, <laughs> then he goes into and say things like, Jake was a force to be reckoned with in the late 1990s A-list film market. Then, in the early 21st century, after the great success of Identity, which I've never seen. Have you seen Identity? No idea. Oh, the John Cusack thing. Might be. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it was actually a great success. Let's give Jake... I don't remember him in it, though. (laughs) (laughs) He was probably very important for him in a bit part role. Jake took some risks with projects, leaps of faith, stepping uh, up into starting roles in such studio disasters as Tomcats, and the first 20 million is always the hardest. Have you seen any of those movies? I've never even heard of those. No, <laughs> Films hyped to glory among the Hollywood machine, which failed miserably and left him needing to reassess his position. It was time for a break. Some time away was needed. Wow. Okay, so then we wonder, what did Jake do after this? So after a few year hiatus from acting as he pursued directing films, road tripping the country, and playing in his band around Hollywood, he was ready for his comeback. Jake blasted on screen as a pyrotechnic specialist the final season of FX hit series Justified, which is actually a hit series. Yeah, it's pretty I, big. Yeah, I can agree with that. Leaving many an audience member aghast, having thought he was a solid new addition to the show, alas, just as masterfully crafted cameo 
blowing up in 30 seconds. Or spelling errors and grammatical errors, <laughs> not my own. And then it goes on for a bit. Um, and yeah, it talks a bit about what he did um, recently, which is not that fun. And he ends it with saying, a bit of a modern renaissance man, Jake's passion <laughs> in life includes fatherhood, acting, desert racing, architecture, playing music, as you can see him doing in this movie, actually, uh, flying planes when necessary. When is it not necessary to fly a plane? I don't know. Only when necessary. <laughs> and fabricating anything mechanical in his metal shop. So that leads to man. I've got to applaud that. I yeah. love, I love the, uh, I love the wormhole that you took yourself down. Yeah, yeah, it was. Really... Yeah, yeah. So now, if, if I'm ever coming back, I'm going to give you an update. I'm going to go on his Instagram and I'm going to find out what is actually a necessary type of flight. Please. And when is it unnecessary? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I love it when people write their own bios. Yeah. Talk about themselves in third person, and it's clearly <laughs> them that's written it. Yeah, but I think you have to do it. No, isn't that sort of. Like on IMDb, you can't do a thing just like... You, you probably do, but I mean, couldn't you just, you know, pay somebody else to do it? I don't know. Ash, you have an IMDb. You're a I don't, filmmaker. I don't have an IMDb. Else. I don't have any... I'm trying to think where I do have a biography. I mean, Flicks and Scoops has got a biography, but... Okay. Uh, I got a friend to help me write that. I just said, look, I want to say this, but I hate talking about myself or mm-hmm. bigging myself up. I'm going to give you my piece of trivia. The shower scene where all the guys and girls are showering together. Mm. The actors would only do it if Paul Verhoeven and his cinematographer, uh, Jost Vacano, would be in there. Great pronunciation. Thanks. They'd only do it if they were in there naked with them as well. Okay. And the cinematographer grew up in a nudist colony. So he was totally cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he he was probably half naked anyway. Yeah. Uh and then yeah, Paul Verhoeven got into got into it as well. So I, I just thought it was quite funny. Everybody all these like young trim kids mm. watch themselves like acting all tough and jocking about with each other and then you've just got totally deadpan uh humour, just this idea of two older guys just stood in the back of the camera. <laughs> Uh, I think extra credit needs to go to the cameraman during the animation, the world's hardest working, <laughs> most hardest working cameraman. People are dying left and right, and the cameraman is just sort of like getting closer and closer to the action. I always wondered that. I mean, it starts with the guy getting absolutely murked up by that huge bug, and the cameraman's just stood there still like, yep, yeah, I'll just film all this. No worries. Yeah, so that's definitely a thing. Yeah. Uh, I like it in the bug distinction thing too, when they talk about how intelligent bugs is. And Denise Richards makes a very good point that they're not as intelligent as humans because humans invented uh, interstellar travel, mm-hmm. interstellar travel, and math. And those are like the two main things that that humanity produced. Which I can see some, I can see some truth in that, but. There's a lot of talk about math in this movie in general. I think too much talk about math. Too much, too much hype's been given to math. Yeah, yeah. what is even math? <laughs> so last up, yeah. as with every podcast, as mm. I'm assuming you've heard, we rate the film out of five. Mm. Uh, there'll be no points, there'll be no halves. There has to be full scoops. So Alex Venman yeah. is going to give Starship Troopers... A four. A four scoop out of five. Five is the best, right? Five is the best, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, we're not working on some weird German grade system. No, no, no. 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 So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a strong four. It's a standard five star, yeah. uh, five scoop system. Yeah. Okay, five scoop system. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's bees. Bees. Yeah. Like the insect. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Because that's one what our 
I guess back at the, back in the days, biggest tabloid use. So we have bees and pluses, and in my hometown we have lighthouses. So you can have one to five lighthouses. Really? Then you go to Denmark, and in Denmark the rating systems are really fucked. Because in Denmark you can be like one of seven or one to twelve or what? one to fourteen. They have different everywhere because Danes can never just make up their mind. I say a bit of Swedish hatred. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say <laughs> intrinsic hatred of the Danes. Although I love Denmark, especially Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Maybe only Copenhagen. But why? So it was only based on the names of the tabloids that these ratings were. They don't do it no, in no, stars so or like whatever. Every tabloid has its own rating system, right? Got you. So sort of as a branding thing, they put different stuff in there. So they didn't put like the, um, they didn't put like the what's big, like the plus. I guess they sort of changed that to bees or lighthouses. It's topical things, I guess, for sort of a branding. Anything a bit like you're doing with scoops, actually. Mm. Cool, man. Well, uh, thanks so much for doing this. Been a oh, pleasure, pleasure talking to you. Um, do you want to plug anything before we leave? What was the name of your company? Uh, give us that at least. Oh, okay, I can give you that. It's Hasty, so Hasty.ai. Uh-huh. It's just a great company, fun company that's not definitely gonna destroy the world in any sense. And yeah, what was it we said? Uh, either you fight or you die. Yeah, so if you don't mind the threat of being shot by Alex if yeah. you do a shit job, <laughs> then yeah. they're also hiring, so give him a, give him a shout. Yeah, <laughs> come and join us, guys. It's all fun and games. Normal working hours, vacation days. Sometimes you get pizza. <laughs> well, thanks ever so much. I'll see you in two seconds when I've hit record stop on this button here. That wraps up our feature presentation. Please make your way toward the exit in an orderly fashion. If you haven't checked out the website flicksandscoops.com, then you should definitely do that, as well as Twitter and Instagram at flicksandscoops. Next week, we're swapping books for films and back again, as I have a nice little afternoon tea with author Lindsay Hall and talk about the ins and outs of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, much to my dismay. Peace. Now it's time for ice cream. And you can get it right here. Ice, 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 ice cream.